Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hey there, it's Claire. Thank you so much for giving us a quick bit of your time in 2023 so we can feed your mind. We are currently on summer break, but we thought in the interim, before we get back into the news in 2024, we'll bring back a few of our best performing episodes of the year. Now, at the start of 2023, we were blessed with the memoir that we thought would end all memoirs until Britney Spears released hers in October. But back in January, it was all about Prince Harry his privates, the fights with his family, and the mental health impacts of life as the spare. But while many of us consumed every word of the book and the thousand interviews that followed, others got thoroughly sick of hearing about this privileged world, making us wonder if all these revelations had shattered our idea of what royal life could and should be. Psychologist Elizabeth Shaw helped us understand all those feels. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. We have been exposed to a whole lot of Sussex of late. From the Oprah interview to the podcast and the Netflix special and now not one but two sit-down interviews with Harry ahead of the release of his memoir Spare, as well as a tour of the late-night talk show circuit, we've heard a range of stories that until now had all been written, along with the words, according to sources. Harry revealed that those sources were often his very own family members who are seemingly obsessed with being seen in a positive light in the press. My family read the tabloids. You know, it's, it's laid out at breakfast when everyone comes together. He describes his relationship with his brother William as not being particularly close, that William had told him at high school to act like they didn't know each other and that the siblings had done what so many do when they're angry, escalating their fights from verbal to physical. It was a build-up of uh, frustration, I think, on his part. He was shouting at me, I was shouting back at him. It wasn't nice, it wasn't pleasant at all. And he snapped, and he pushed me to the floor. So why does he feel the need to reveal all the things he's now put in this memoir and all those interviews? Harry says he's speaking his truth because he's already tried to deal with things with his family one-on-one, and still the leaking and one-upping continues. And every single time I've tried to do it privately, there have been briefings and leakings and planting of stories against me and my wife. You know, the family motto is never complain, never explain, but it's just a motto and it doesn't really hold... There's a lot of complaining and a lot of explaining. And private being done in through leaks. Through leaks. While telling Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes that he can't ever see himself going back to being a working royal, he told ITV that he wants his brother and father back 
But at the same time, this long history of never complain, never explain isn't cutting it anymore. It's no longer a case of me asking for accountability, but at this point, the world is asking for accountability. And the world is asking for some form of comment from the monarchy. But the silence is deafening. The book itself, Spare, which was accidentally leaked early, saw an avalanche of Harry-related news stories. From the surprising revelation that Harry and William call each other Harold and Willie, to his father telling his mother Diana in the moments after his birth, now you've given me an heir and a spare, my work is done. Harry explains how he demanded to see the crime scene photos of Princess Diana's car crash to finally put to rest a feeling that she was somehow still alive, how he'd cried just once in the aftermath of that crash, and how he'd made his driver take him through that tunnel in Paris to see just how it could have happened. He claims his brother William and now wife Kate encouraged him to wear a Nazi uniform to a dress-up party back in 2005, that they'd laughed at the hilarity of it, but then pictures were leaked to the press and he was condemned for it. Rightfully so, he admits. Harry explains how he killed 25 Taliban fighters while serving in Afghanistan, something the press asked him about 10 years ago. He discussed his and his brother's circumcision, which many news outlets had written about back when both he and William were small. His sex life was also not off the table, explaining how he'd mounted an older woman in a field behind a pub the night he lost his virginity. The press has long speculated that he lost his virginity to actress Elizabeth Hurley. He explained how Kate, the now Princess of Wales, was reportedly mean to his wife in the lead-up to their wedding, describing text messages from Kate who seemed to dig her heels in about her daughter's flower girl dress needing to be remade, about how Kate got upset that Meghan said she had baby brain. He talks about anxiety attacks, undergoing therapy, how William didn't want him as his best man at his wedding, how his father said he wouldn't pay both him and Meghan for working as royals, and how they'd begged their father not to marry Camilla. Harry told The Late Show host Stephen Colbert that he's happy now that the book itself is out there, because with it being leaked before the rest of the world could get their hands on it, he says the tabloid media did with it what they do best. Context is everything, and unfortunately due to those leaks... The British press, <laughs> which are central to so much of my story in my 38 years up until this point. And after spending two years focused on context, what I'm going to share, how I'm going to share it, and being able to piece it all together, they intentionally chose to strip away all the context and take out individual segments of my life, my story, and every experience that I've had and turn it into a salacious headline. Isabella Ross, Mamma Mia's news writer and the host of the Quickies Evening Headlines, says there were many more stories in the book that caught her attention. Some shocking, some sad, and some that just break your heart. Early on in the book, Prince Harry says Princess Margaret was almost a total stranger to him, which was really interesting considering they both hold that spare title and they know what that feels like. But he said they were never close. So Harry wrote in the book, she was almost a total stranger. Like most Britons, I mainly knew of her. Growing up, I felt nothing for her except a bit of pity and a lot of jumpiness. She could kill a houseplant with one scowl. It's been well reported that Harry struggled with drug use in his early years, writing that at one point he smoked an entire shopping bag's worth of weed. But perhaps something that we missed in the coverage was his recount of doing psychedelic drugs at none other than friend star Courtney Cox's house. It was through a mutual friend that he ended up there for a party and was offered the mushrooms and decided to partake. 
Harry wrote, Courtney invited more people over. Another party began. We spotted a huge box of black diamond mushroom chocolates. Someone behind me said they were for everybody. So my mate and I grabbed several, gobbled them and washed them down with tequila. In the summer of 2019, Harry, Meghan and Archie went to Elton John's home in France, trying to get away from all that negative press coverage in the UK. And he wrote, the best part of the visit was watching Elton and David and their two boys fall in love with Archie. Often I'll catch Elton studying Archie's face and I knew what he was thinking. Mummy, which means Diana. I knew because it happened so often to me as well. Harry also said that the topic of Elton's then new memoir came up, particularly the fact that Elton was providing extracts of the book to the Daily Mail for money. Elton said to Harry, I want people to read it. And then Harry replied, but Elton, the very people who've made your life miserable? Elton then went on to say, exactly, who better to excerpt it? We're better than the very newspaper that's been so poisonous to me my whole life. They then call me a, a slur, which we won't peep. Elton said he didn't mind what they said about him in the press as long as they didn't lie about him. Harry then continued, I love Elton. I'll always love him. I didn't push him on it. I also didn't want to spoil the holiday. Harry also said that he regrets his final conversation with his mum. He still recalls that phone call and he wishes it had been different. He wrote, I remember immediately thereafter regretting. I wish I'd dug deeper, told my mother all the things weighing on my heart. She'd called earlier in the evening, the night of the crash, but I was running around with Willie and the boys and didn't want to stop playing. So I'd been short with her, impatient to get back to my games. I'd rushed mummy off the phone. Something that was really special was what Megan said to him when their daughter Lilibet was born. So after she'd given birth, Harry held his daughter and promised to keep her safe, both from the paps and the shame connotation attached to being the quote-unquote spare. Megan then quickly journaled something down and passed it to Harry, and it read, My love, that is not a spare. And I think the whole book was really looking into the shame and pain Harry felt to be associated with the word spare his whole life. All of these stories, many of which had been written about by the tabloids in the past, reportedly from Harry's description due to leaks from the royal family and their officers, but never with the context of a direct quote from those involved, were things that we had all at some point wanted to know the answers to. But while some were happy to finally get the truth, at least from one side of the story... Fascinated. If anyone has ever been misrepresented in the media or had their information shared that's not accurate, you can understand the frustration it causes. You want to yell, that's not the truth, that's not what happened, and then you try to redress it and you're told to shut up and stop whinging? His beef is with the British press first and he's asking his family to back him, but they can't because they're in bed with the press. I bet Kate's white knuckles represent that she can't say what she wants to either. I'm here for it all. I love it being confirmed. As I long suspected, Kate is a jealous, conniving puppet. Many others didn't like what they'd seen and heard. I was really trying to be on Harry and Meghan's side, but I feel as though I cannot justify Harry's vendetta. He's crossed the line. Not enough money in the world to persuade me to betray my family, regardless of how short they fall of my standards. Poor Princess Di, I can't help but wonder how Harry and Meghan would feel if Archie and Lilibet behaved this way towards them and each other down the track. The mounting. Ugh, my eyes could do with the bleaching after that. Also, how many people he took out in the war? What a dangerous and insensitive thing to reveal. I think it's so awkward that he's holding his brother and Kate accountable for him wearing the Nazi uniform. Like, mate, you were an adult. Choices were made, you know? 
and there are countless commentators weighing in on the memoir, from the usual suspects in Piers Morgan to Australia's own The Project host Steve Price, who say Harry's all out for the money and should just stop his talking right now. Harry and Meghan, let's be clear, have sold their royal souls for a life as reality stars, trading every private cough and splutter for cash. The royal family has said nothing about this volley of abuse. It's maintained a dignified silence, which I think is the correct response. Because without the royal gravitas, without the titles, Harry and Meghan, well, what are they? They're just another version of the Kardashians. I don't buy his justification. I mean, he won't give up his his title. He's selling his family secrets, including that he saw his grandmother, the Queen, dead in bed for money. He's flogging a book. He's gone to Netflix. He's done the Oprah interview. It's all about him and Meghan making money out of flogging royal secrets. Isn't it about no. protecting his wife? No, I don't think it is. No? I mean, that's, what he, that's his justification. But he could have done this in a, in a very different way. Project co-host Waleed Ali in that conversation did ask Steve Price how should Harry have handled it? What different way should it have been approached? And Steve Price said that he should have just stayed quiet, not gone public with any of it. We know that people want to consume stories about the royal family. Media outlets wouldn't write about them if they didn't generate interest. So why is it when finally one of them speaks out about what their life has actually been like, do so many want them to be quiet again? Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of Relationships Australia New South Wales and is a practising clinical and counselling psychologist. Elizabeth, we know people are interested in stories about the royals and we've been saying for years we want to really know what's going on behind closed doors. So why is it that now that someone is finally speaking out, we actually don't want to hear it? Well, look, I think there's a couple of things about it. It's probably that we want to know but we only want to know within the realm of our current imagination. So we want perhaps, oh, I'd love a bit more detail about this or I'd love a little bit more gossip. And often in the span of what we see with celebrities generally, so it might be that people would be much more comfortable knowing sex Harry had before getting married, but to actually find out things about racism or family fights, maybe people are struggling more with that, for example. Now, I I don't know, but I think part of it is finding out stuff we didn't ever expect to find out. I think the other thing is that there's a discomfort for him in the sort of things he's saying and whether they're really wise and up to scratch. So, for example, some of the things that we're hearing about him starting to frame some family fights as abusive or scary for him. You know, once he's framed a behaviour like that, there's no coming back. And I guess a concern for him and some of the things that we've heard about, you know, the deaths during war, is it actually wise to say some of these things? And so I think there's a real cringe factor about the things that feel unwise, maybe a bit spurious, maybe calling out things that you can never come back from and burning bridges in front of the public's gaze, which I think is uncomfortable. Is there something in also creating villains out of people that we might have thought of as not villainous? For example, we've built this ideal that William and Harry are close brothers, you know, bonded over the traumatic loss of their mum. I need to kind of find out that they're not really that close at all and that they have those kind of fights that siblings in all of history have always had and sometimes they got physical and, you know, they seem to be, you know, same with like William telling him when they got to high school, like, don't talk to me, we don't know each other. Like, so we've kind of got this idea in our head that these two brothers are a strong, united front when really 
they kind of are just like any other siblings and don't really like each other that much? Have we kind of made a villain out of William when we didn't want to? Look, I think certainly there is in Australia in particular the tall poppy syndrome where seeing people tumble off a pedestal, there's something about that that we enjoy. But there's certain things about the narrative about Princess Diana's death that I think people have wanted to make some good of that, like, you know, that the boys are bonded in some sort of way. There's also an uncertainty about whether sibling fights constructed as negatively as they are whether it makes sense to us. So there's a sort of a discomfort and maybe a disappointment or horror about it. Is it really that if it had been framed at, well, actually, we haven't always been close or we've had some really rocky times or sometimes we fight like everybody else, whether we would have actually found that quite palatable. But I think to air it perhaps as actually things are awful behind closed doors or frightening or abusive, then I think that's where there is also something that's beyond disappointment, something that maybe some people just don't want to know. It really dismantles the kind of fantasy that they've had about the royal family. What impact does our response have on someone who's telling their story? So Harry is putting everything out there on the line and some of the response has been, why don't you just shut up? What kind of impact does that have on someone who feels like they're finally having the opportunity to tell the truth from their perspective? Look, I think this is a real burden for celebrity generally. And I think we saw this played out with Adele and with Rebel Wilson in losing weight in different types of stories, of course, that the amount of investment the public has in the perception they've built up over time. So seeing Harry as a bit of a larrikin but really good-natured, goodwill, and if anything a bit of a lost soul, I think that's far more palatable. And to find out he's maybe done some more naughty things, I think people are probably, you know, quite on for that. But I think when they start to say, actually, you're not the person I thought you were, you know, as happened and Adele talked about this and Rebel Wilson's talked about this, people having an investment in them being that persona that you're meant to be the person who stands up for body satisfaction, whatever its form, and for them saying, look, I didn't announce that, I didn't take that on, that's not my stuff, it's yours, I think that's really hard for celebrities generally. So Harry's going to get a combination of things, of the people who love him, whatever he does, they'll say, good for you, you're speaking up, you know, you're standing up for yourself you know, you should unveil abuse, that's a good thing. And there'll be other people who say this is all entirely unnecessary and part of the royal family is keeping a bit of mystery and you've broken rules in a way that's actually unattractive and unpleasant and we don't like it. And he will have to cope with both. But some of it is a real unfair burden. It's about our fantasy and what we've collectively wanted from these people, what they represent for us. And sometimes we can be very intolerant when they step out of line. So while it seems we are struggling after Harry shattered our royal fantasies, for him, having tried to leave it all behind and move away from the UK and his family and no longer play the game, finding out the hard way that the press still won't leave them alone, why not tell his story his way? One of the reasons why I wrote this book is every word in that book is mine. What do you mean by that? Because the amount of unnamed sources that have fed information to the British tabloids oh. about me and my wife and my family. You have a source true and it's you. True and not true. I am the source of that book. And the difference is that instead of hiding behind unnamed sources, this here, these are my words from, from my lips, from my mouth. And I understand, especially for British people, 
that it can be incredibly jarring to have my name to a lot of these stories. It is also quite bizarre because a lot of these stories in this book have actually been told already. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Madeline Joanno.